Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From London, this is The Standard Podcast and I'm Mark Blunden. Popping up 600 feet above London's skyline, the BT Tower has been a West End landmark since the 1960s. Now, the once high-tech monolith that began its life as the post office tower is being transformed into a hotel in a £275 million sale. BT has agreed to sell the nearly 60-year-old Grade 2 listed Fitzrovia Tower to American chain MCR Hotels, offering future punters the chance to sleep in the clouds. Camden-based Heatherwick Studio, the eponymous architecture practice of Thomas Heatherwick, has been tasked with reimagining the site into a luxury hotel. It was opened as a hub for the UK's communications networks in 1965 by the then Prime Minister Harold Wilson. The site, bristling with microwave communications aerials designed by Eric Bedford and G.I. Yates, it signified much of the optimism of the swinging 60s, with university students running races to the top and the record for ascending 37 floors, just under five minutes. You could once also enjoy dinner on the 34th floor rotating restaurant run by Butlins, yes, and it span around once every 23 minutes. But the facility was closed to the public following a bombing blamed on either anarchists or the IRA in 1971. Most recently, its LCD facade screen has beamed out stay-at-home lockdown messages and congratulations on the wedding of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Amid a transition to fibre optic and the cloud, BT says the tower's microwave aerials were removed more than a decade ago as they were no longer needed to carry telecommunications traffic from London to the rest of the country. To find out more about this end of an era and the beginning of a new one, we're joined in the studio by the Evening Standards business editor, Jonathan Prynne. Jonathan, what do we know about this deal that you're reporting on Wednesday? Well, it's an absolutely incredible deal. It came totally out of the blue. But BT, who have owned the BT Tower, one of the most uh, instantly recognisable landmarks in, in the whole of London, they've decided to sell it. They don't need it anymore. And they found a buyer. And the buyer is uh, an American hotel business called MCR. Not one of the absolutely high-profile hotel operators, but they are big and mainly based in America. They are buying it for £275 million and plan to turn it into what they already have called um, an iconic hotel. Is £275 million in the scheme of London's corporate real estate a lot of money a good deal? I'm sure BT will be pleased. It's a building that when they built it nearly 60 years ago, they needed that 
structure in order to get their communications equipment high above London so that they could communicate out to the rest of the world. But now all that com- digital communication is now cloud-based and, and you don't need all that kit, basically, in a tall tower in central London. So they've probably been wondering for a while what they were going to do with it. You can't knock it down, it's listed. And they found a buyer for, I, I know in the scheme of London, it doesn't sound an enormous amount of money, but there's only a limited number of potential buyers for a building as odd as the BT Tower. And I, I think they've probably done well to find a company that's prepared to take it on. Bearing in mind that company is probably going to have to spend just as much again, or maybe more, conversing it into a usable hotel. And that gives you an idea the investment is actually going to be much more than the transaction price. It's interesting you say that because I wonder what you thought of presumably tricky to winch all those building materials, mattresses and, and all the rest of it up there. Quite the challenge. Yeah, I think logistically, I think you're right. It's going to be an incredible challenge. That said, London's construction industry or the, or the world's construction industry has incredible experience at tackling the most difficult uh, and challenging buildings and they'll get it done. You think of the skyscrapers that have been built in and how they've got the Shangri-La Hotel, which is, I think, the highest in London. I mean, the logistics of getting, as you say, all the kit and the, and the mattresses and everything up to several hundred metres above ground level is a very big challenge, but they will find a way. I think it's going to be a good few years, though, before we'll be uh, checking in. Just a few months ago, we were talking about this boom of uh, in London's hotels, this one billion pound peninsula, which was the, the big ticket. With that in mind, what sort of appetite do you think there'll be for spending a night in in the clouds, as it were? I'm sure there will. Uh, it's interesting. You talk about the peninsula, and that's an amazing hotel, cost a billion pounds, as you say, to to get built. Very high end. This company, MCR. If you look at the hotels they operate in America, they're not particularly upscale, as, as hoteliers call it. They're sort of a bit more mid to mid to higher mid, I'd say. Their best-known hotel is the TWA Hotel in the old uh, TWA Flight Center at uh, JFK Airport in New York. But yeah, they're not at the super five, six-star level. I, I imagine, unless they go for something, their absolute trophy hotel at a higher level than what they've uh, operated in the past, I imagine it will be kind of four-star rather than five-star, probably maybe £200 rather than £300 plus a night, or maybe more. Who knows what prices are looking like in a few years' time. But um, I don't get the impression it's going to be hyper-luxury. Because that actually that part of the market is is being very well catered for now with the Owo and the Peninsula and the Six Senses and so on, the other ones that are coming through. So maybe it'll just sit at a level slightly below that, but I think there'll be massive demand. Let's go to the ads coming up. Dining in London's famous spinning restaurants. Why not hit follow in the meantime and give us a rating? 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. What can you tell us about the tower's early life? I was amazed to read that it was built on a budget of something like two and a half million, and then of course becomes this amazing icon of the swinging sixties, post-war sort of optimism and the high-tech boom as well. It was opened uh, in 1965, as you say, at the height of swinging sixties London by Harold Wilson, who of course coined the phrase of the white heat of the technological revolution, and it was very much a kind of symbol of the communications technology of the time and how it was changing lifestyles. And it is a remarkable building with all those sort of aerials and uh, discs and and so on that uh, it had at the top. A lot of them have been removed now because they're They're not needed, the dishes and so on. It has absolutely been a fixture on London's skyline for as long as most people can remember. Remarkable modernist structure that even now, you know, even though it's 60 years old, it still has a sort of cutting-edge technological sort of look to it, doesn't it? And I'm glad it will carry on being there. I think it's actually quite a much-loved feature of London's skyline and it'll just carry on but in a very different guise, obviously. Unfortunately now, the public won't have been able to enjoy a meal prepared by Butlins. Uh, as Extraordinary, it isn't it? Butlins, I mean, the last operator you would think of running a prestige restaurant in central London. But yes, it was them. In fact, Billy Butlin was, I think he attended the opening ceremony with Harold Wilson back in 65. And the famous revolving restaurant at level 34 took 23 minutes to go around. It's hugely popular when it opened. It had 100,000 diners visit in the first year. Unfortunately, that all came to an end when and terrorists put a small bomb in the men's toilets, which went off. And after that, it was deemed too much of a security risk. And uh, it was shut to the public from 1971. But I believe since then, to some lucky guests, including yourself, have also been able to dine there. What are your personal memories of it? Well, I was lucky enough to go there. Um, it did remain open for corporate events. And I went to an event there a few years ago. It's absolute magic. As you revolve, people talk about 360 degree views of London. And there's plenty of places you can get that now but not staying in the same place just sitting at your table and watching London gradually move around you although of course you're moving but to sit there and you can see the mechanism and you can see where the the revolving bit is sort of separate from the actual core of the building. It's absolutely fascinating to watch and experience and uh, I do hope that that will be and I assume it will be an absolutely key part of the attraction of the hotel that they're building and that will be open to the public and people will be able to see one of the greatest urban landscapes in the world revolve around them. A final question, a reflection on the tall buildings, of course, back in the 60s. This was London's highest building. It overtook it was, yeah. the Millbank, Millbank Tower. Tower. It's quite amazing to think in the world of the, the shards and the gherkin and all the other big city monoliths that this was the the largest back then. You're right, Mark. It has been overtaken, obviously, by dozens of skyscrapers since then. And, and in fact, in, it didn't hold the title as tallest building in London for that long because the NatWest Tower topped it out in 1980. However, what I would say about the BT Tower is that it, it's in Fitzrovia 
and there are very few other tall buildings around it. And what those skyscrapers, I mean, the NatWest Tower now is completely dwarfed by the forest of skyscrapers that have gone up in the city. But the BT Tower still stands as a kind of lone structure with very few buildings around it that of a similar height. You've got one or two other buildings around, like Centre Point at the end of Oxford Street, but they are few and far between. So it does still stand as a monolith, very visible, that looks like a, you know, a really tall, imposing structure. And I think that will remain. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. We're back on Thursday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.